If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. You just found the world's number one fitness, health, and entertainment podcast. This is Mind Pump, right? In today's episode, we interviewed the CEO and founder of Tonal, Ali O'Reilly. Now, this episode is basically us questioning whether or not Tonal is worth the money. You know, they got a huge valuation recently, and we were pretty vocal of our criticisms of that valuation. He heard the episode, wanted to come on our podcast and talk to us about it. So we had a great debate, great discussion. We think you're going to love this episode quite a bit. Now, it was brought to you by our sponsor, Felix Gray. Now, they make some of the best blue light blocking glasses you'll find anywhere, and they look good, and they also don't change the color of the world around you. So they're not orange or red. They're clear, but they're still effective at blocking blue light. By the way, all month long, you're going to get 10% of the sales of three specially selected frames, which are going to be donated to New York City's LGBT Community Center for and Trans Lifeline. So this is for Pride Month, which is pretty cool. Head over to FelixGrayGlasses.com. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y Glasses.com forward slash Mind Pump uh, to check out their stuff. Also, before the episode starts all month long, two of our programs and one of our program bundles are on sale. So Maps Prime, Maps Prime Pro, and our Prime Bundle, all 50% off. Just head over to mapsfitnessproducts.com to go sign up or check them out. But make sure you use the code June Prime with no space for that discount. I should open since I was the one that did the Instagram post and probably stirred the stirred the pot first. Yeah, um, and I, we weren't going to originally start uh, in this direction, but since you listened to the only episode where I think we really probably went after Tonal a little bit, um, yeah. I do want to uh, bring that up, and I do want before I I bring it up or we go here, I, I do want to preface it by. When we talked about it, the the main thing uh, was the valuation that just w- was mind balling for us. Like we just, we've been in the fitness space for a very long time. We've seen lots of fitness products come and go. Very very uh, uh, aware of you know valuations on companies, and to see uh, that valuation on a on a business that's this new and this early already was just like blew all of our minds. So we of course had to speculate and and talk about it. And of course we got into some debates. I got in a good debate with one of my buddies. Um, but what this is what led to this conversation. I said, well, you know, well, fuck it. Let me just reach out to the CEO. He, he's right up the road and let's, let's have a conversation and let's, let's hear it from the horse's mouth. Like yeah. how the hell did the yeah, company explain get- yourself? Yeah. Cause <laughs> it was, it was a 1.6 billion, right? When you got, you got, you were able to raise an additional quarter, quarter billion dollars yeah. with that. So total, I think total raise was what? 450 overall, today, million, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. To date. Um, and, uh, it felt like you're getting you, like you guys got valued like a tech company would and not like a fitness company. That's what we talked about in the show that you listened to. By the way, when you listen to our episode, were you like, <laughs> the whole time? <laughs> Who are these guys? No, no, not, not at all. I mean, I, I think I was, I was watching, I was watching the episode and you guys were going, going back and forth and like putting out all the theories, like how, how could this company be worth 1.6 yeah. billion? And you had all these hypotheses. And I think one of you, one of you actually nailed it. One of you, I don't remember, I don't remember who, but one of you said the only way a technology company or sorry, a fitness company can be worth $1.6 billion is if they could actually get people to work out consistently. Like not like other fitness equipment where you like, you sell them something and like six months later, it's a towel rack. Right. If you could sell them something and actually get them to work out consistently, 
then I could see how a company mm-hmm. could be worth that much. And, and that's actually exactly the answer. We People who buy tonals work out consistently. It's one of the most consistently used products in the world. It's, it's just, it's incredible. And the product was designed to do that. And it was structured so that our interests would be aligned with, with our members where like we wake up every morning and I don't check our sales metrics. I check our engagement metrics. I see how many people worked out. I see how long they worked out. That's what we kind of live and die by. Okay. Um, and that, that that's really the answer. The other thing is it was, it's like been six years. <laughs> so this was not, this was not an overnight success. Uh, I mean, um, I started the company back in 2015 and I'm happy to share those early, early stories if you want. Uh, but it was like a six year build to this. Right. Okay. So when you, when you say that uh, it's one of the most used, is that most used pieces of fitness equipment or just tools in general? Like what, what do you, what do you say that it's, it's used so much in comparison to what? Well, l- let me, let me just give you an example, yeah. an example metric. Uh, people who buy a tonal, like it comes with a, me- with a monthly, monthly subscription service where you're, you're basically paying to have all of our coaching content and all the AI that personalizes the workouts. Um, in any given month, um, the cancellation rate is about 0.1%. Wow. Right. So 99.9% retention month over month. And you look at that metric and like Netflix, you know, they lose about 2% a month. Right. So, um, you know, and we're at 0.1%. Netflix is something like people don't quit. They use it forever. They enjoy it. They, they binge watch. Uh, and so it's, it's when you're able to, to actually deliver results to people and, and, and get them to use the product in a way that actually improves their lives. Well, they just keep using it and they, they, they remain members. And that's, that's what drives that. So I got to dive into those numbers because that is okay. This is mind boggling to me because, uh, and no wonder it got evaluated like that because we know what, uh, the average person falls off for a gym membership. I mean, you, yeah. you you get a gym membership and you start working out for a Something while. Something like sixty to 70%, I think, in six that's, months. That's right. Fall off, right. Yeah, within six months. And so you're telling me we're you're retaining 90 plus percent. Well, hold on. So the way that the model, correct me if I'm wrong, right? You buy the tonal piece of equipment, average cost uh, 3000 or so dollars, right? And then you're required to do a 12-month membership initially. And then after that, are people month to month? Yep. Okay. Mm. When you're looking at the metrics of people sticking around, are you looking at the, the second year? Is that what it, is that what you're talking about? So there's a lot of ways of measuring. So okay. one is you just look at the entire the entire like customer base and you look at what your monthly churn is. The other thing you look at is you can look at on a cohort basis. So like, hey, let's look at everyone who started in like January 2019. And now we're like, you know, 26 months late, later, how many of them mm-hmm. are still used? It's still in like the mid 90s right? wow. in terms of the, wow. the percent. Okay. Right? And so, and what's the, what's the, what's the usage look like right. for, for these people? Like daily, weekly, monthly. So 40 minute sessions on average, um, about 14 point something times per month. So in a given 30 day window, it's about 14 times. Yeah. So about every other day on average, almost every other day. That's insane. 40 yeah. minutes. Yeah. yeah. Now, how many, and I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical, not, be, not of those metrics, but skeptical that what that's going to potentially mean in the future. And we can get into that. And it's just, again, it's based on my experience as a trainer, but let's, let's talk a little bit more about that. How many members do you guys have when like you started selling memberships early day one, six years, I'm assuming most of your sales probably happened in terms of the bulk of your 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 product and your memberships probably in the last couple of years i would assume covid probably caused a big spike in in sales and production um so uh, how many total members you have and then how many was like, a growth curve yeah what like? it looked like yeah yeah recently so let's 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 maybe like back up and talk about if it's okay i mean yeah let's, talk, let's talk about like the, the what is it right what is it and, and why why do people use it so much and then we can talk about kind of like the growth the growth path okay um but but you know i started the company back in in 2015 Right. And so, you know, my, my career started in late nineties. I was working for Hewlett Packard in their supercomputing lab, designing computer chips. So, you know, you are right. I did start in tech, 
right? And and back then, if you came to me in the late 90s, said, Ali, one day you're going to be the CEO of a fitness company, I would have like fallen out of my chair laughing. Like mm-hmm. I had no idea. I was, you know, I was overweight. I was like literally the chubby kid, wore glasses, could code since I was like seven years old, um, designing computer chips, 15 years in technology here, right here in Silicon Valley. I was actually over in Sunnyvale, not too far up the road from where, where your studio is. And then by the time I'm about 35 years old, I'm overweight. I have type 2 diabetes. I have sleep apnea. Uh, so I decided that I'm going to get healthy. I quit my job. I focus entirely on getting healthy. I lose 70 pounds in about nine months. Um, and there's that entire journey of like learning how to get fit and learning how to eat well and totally. learning a cardio is not going to get me there. Like I remember this moment where like I'm a few weeks in, I've lost a bunch of weight. I plateaued. I'm on a treadmill or a bike and I'm looking out. I'm like, how come all the personal trainers are in the weight room? Right. Mm-hmm. And you go like try and walk into the weight room and well, you're in there and it's intimidating. You don't know what to do. And you, you know, you kind of do the obligatory bicep curl and bench press, but you know, that entire journey. And, um, and by the, the end of all that, I, I've lost all this weight. I'm sitting at the gym one morning and I'm thinking to myself, and this is, this is kind of the moment where, where it all started. I'm thinking to myself, uh, I'm going to go get another job. It's going to be really intense. It's going to be long hours. How am I going to stay healthy? How am I going to come to the gym every day at 6am in the morning? And I just wanted to take this giant cable crossover machine that I was using, shrink it down and bring it into the home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's how Tonal was born. I, I, I realized that if I could create a strength training system that ran on electricity um, instead of big metal plates and gravity, that I could shrink it down. And once it runs on electricity, it's electronic, um, you can make it smart, you can make it intelligent, you can tie, di- tie data into it, and you can start to build, build the equivalent of a personal trainer right into it. And so that was the goal from day one is can I build the equivalent of personal trainer and can I make it convenient enough where if it's in the home, people will actually use it, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, and, and I went home, ordered some parts, three and a half years of technology development. Um, and then by 2018, late 2018, that's when we we announced Tonal and begin selling it. Right? Okay. So so years of development, like dozens of patents, um, you know, large, large team to, to like bring this really technologically revolutionary thing to, to market. But at the end of the day, when you when you ask the question, right, like how are we driving that engagement? Well, the reason people fall off the gym is because they got to drive there every morning. And with Tonal, you don't have to drive. You don't have to drive to the gym. It's right there. You get up and you can go work out within five minutes. You you're up at the Tonal. You're you're working out. You're warmed up. Um, you don't even have to put your shoes on because most people don't don't put their shoes on. They just they just work out in the comfort and convenience of their home. You have amazing routines. Um, and you have personalization where we're making all the decisions for you that a personal trainer would. We're choosing how much weight you should lift. We're choosing when that, deciding when that weight should go up or down. We're giving you feedback on your form. And so if you make it convenient and you give people great workouts, of course they're going to use it. Mm. Now, here's where I'm skeptical with that because what you're saying sounds great. Um, and I, I agree that driving to the gym plays somewhat of a role. Um, I agree that uh, you know having your workout set up for you probably helps. Um, but here's a deal. I know what the statistics are for people who have home equipment. And I mean, you know, dumbbells, barbells, like very versatile, like the most versatile piece of equipment you could ever own is a dumbbell or a barbell. They could do anything with it. Um, I also know what the statistics are with live personal trainers, like trainers actually train people in person. They don't come close to the numbers that you're giving me, which is why I'm uh, I'm skeptical because I know people. Okay, it's at home. You can work out whenever you want. Resistance training, by the way, I want to I want to commend you on that observation. That's 100% right. Resistance training is the superior form of exercise, especially when it comes to weight loss and health, especially if you're not working out that often. So 
Great job there. Personal training makes a tremendous difference, especially when it's live. But those numbers, I know what the numbers are with with phenomenal trainers. They still don't come close to what you're saying with this 0.01%, you know, or whatever, 1% drop off. And what it reminds me of is what I've seen so many times in the fitness industry where I remember, you know, at one point I was part of 24 Hour Fitness when they were exploding. Eventually they, they sold for a couple billion dollars. I remember when Curves came on the scene. I don't know if you remember them. They were this small pneumatic equipment, you know, kind of facility that was targeting women who were uncomfortable working out the gym. They at one point became the fastest growing franchise. Crazy usage. People are showing up. It's incredible. They eventually plummeted. CrossFit, I remember when CrossFit did the same thing. They tapped into the kind of group model where you've got people working out with you. Yeah, very community-based. And based. it's community-based, which is also very important. It makes a big difference. You also saw them do this type of thing. And so that's the that's the skeptic, skepticism I have. By the way, I think your equipment's great. I think what it does great. But my skepticism is on this, this consistency model because in my experience as a trainer, it's not about the equipment. It's not about the convenience. Those play roles. But what gets people consistent is is far deeper and more challenging uh, than that. And so, but I do know that your equipment includes uh, technology and includes data, and I can't help but think that that also played a role in the valuation. I've seen companies get valued very high because they're able to collect lots of data on their users. What does that look like? What kind of data is it working with? What is it collecting? Well. Um you're you're right, but it's not it's not for the reason the reason you think. So yeah, there, we have a lot of data. In fact, you know, you you use a dumbbell today. Yes, dumbbells may be versatile, but what they don't have is they don't have data flowing in and out of them, right? right. So, you know, they're the, dumb. They're, they're literally <laughs> yeah. dumb. They can't be connected to a computer. And, and right. creating the world's first electronic digital strength training machine is what allowed us to to make it smart by connecting it to a computer and connecting it to the internet. And that means there's data flowing in two directions. We're getting a lot of data out of the system where we can see you know, your power, your range of motion, your acceleration, your form. We have accelerometers in the handle so we can measure motion through three, you know, the three dimensions. We have a camera and you put all that stuff together. And now what we have eff- effectively is all of this data on, on, you know, our, on our individual user. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we use that to personalize the workout. The second thing we do, and, and we're talking about data in, in two, di- two directions, um, is this motion notion of command and control. And that's a technical term, but what it means, you can't ask a 40 pound dumbbell to instantly become 38 pounds. Right. That's exactly what you can do. You can, with a tonal, you can be in the middle of a bicep curl and the AI is looking at all this data and it's saying, oh, they're not, they're not going to finish the set, right? They're, they're going to struggle the last two reps. And the spotter kicks in and it just ticks, ticks the resistance down by one or two pounds and they're able to finish, you know, finish that set mm. um, and that responsiveness and that, that reactivity. Um, we're not, the data is there for us to make better workouts and to better personalize the workouts to every single individual. We're using all that data to understand you better. Everything you do on tonal is a little mini test, Mm. right? We're like, Hey, we want you to do, you know, 12 deadlifts at, you know, 176 pounds. And that was our, that's, that's what we believe you can do. But we're also testing you to see how are they doing at that? How's their range of motion? How's their power output? Where does it begin to roll off? All of, and then we feed that back into deciding what we're going to do next with you. And you get stronger at your deadlift. Well, what does that mean for, what does that mean for your squat? Right. Um, for instance, so all that data is about being smarter about you, but it's also about being strong, smarter about just physiology in the community in, in general. I mean, you go back and you pull research on, on like everything we know about strength training and like what are those research studies? They're like 25, 25 college freshmen at such and such sure. institution for one semester 
And now when you're talking about, you know, tens or eventually hundreds of thousands of users, not over one year, but over five years or 10 years, that's literally like the largest strength training physiology data set in history. Like we are pushing the limits on physiology. We're asking physiologists questions they've literally never been asked before. We're commissioning original research to answer those questions. We're working with institutions. Like that data isn't about trying to sell you something like on Facebook. Um, we take privacy very seriously. That data is about making better workouts. Better workouts equals better results. Better results equals better consistency. Right. So I have a question then along the lines of like personalizing. This is one of the greatest challenges uh, we as a trainer and coach we've always had, even in person. It's also one of the biggest hurdles and places that we thought we were most vulnerable when we started to sell digital programs online. So that's how we monetize, right? Or one of the ways that we monetize is through selling digital programs. And when we sat down and wrote these programs, what we were very aware was, okay, I know when I personal train a client that I'm calling audibles all the time. Mm -hmm. There are no client, there's no two clients following the exact same program. So I have to always adjust. Now, how are we going to sell a program to the masses with integrity and know that we do that? Well, that's where the podcast came in was, okay, we're going to sell these programs, but then we're also going to communicate to them. Like they need to learn to assess themselves and do all these things. So how are you, I mean, you talked about some of the things you're researching with it, but what exactly are you guys personalizing for these clients to make it individualized for them? Um, it's, it's a lot of different things. And, and one thing I want to be clear about is something I think you, you touched on, which, you know, we we're not trying to like have AI just spit out a workout program for, for someone out of, out of the blue. Right. What we look at it is we have coaches on our platform and those coaches are, are creating programs um, and the AI is taking those programs and further personalizing them. So we actually consider it kind of like a superhuman coach. It's a it's a human coach who created a program who stood in a studio in front of a camera and filmed the workout. But then the AI coming in and taking it a step further and personalizing mm -hmm. it. So what are we personalizing? We're personalizing the weight selections. How much how much weight are you lifting for every single rep? And We'll adjust the weight mid-rep. We'll adjust the weight set to set, day to day. Um, we're personalizing uh, the pacing of the workouts. Uh, so, you know, you all know, like if I stuck a video and just had you try to follow it, like a CrossFit video and tried to follow it, you'd be, you know, like one person might be falling behind, one person might be right. ahead. And so we're actually like adjusting the pacing of the workouts and the edit. Our videos aren't actually pre-edited. They're, they're edited as you work out. Um, and so that's how we're able to adjust pace. We're also able to adjust instruction and form feedback. Uh, so all of that, all of those sensors, they're giving us data on you and we're able to use that to give you better feedback on your form. Hey, try going a little deeper into into your squat. Hey, don't shrug your shoulders. Hey, don't do this. Or hey, remember to do that. And, and it's as, as much of that as possible. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, like this is always the conundrum with, you know, with with AI um, versus versus a human coach is, you know, what we can do is we can take um, we can take like the notion of personal training and, and democratize it. Such a small percentage of the U.S. population today gets to benefit from personal training one-on-one -on -one consistently for a long period of time. Um, and if you can take it and make it more convenient so a much, much larger percentage of the population can access it, um, but it's AI-driven, well, you're going to get things that AI can deliver that a, a real personal trainer cannot. But there's also things that a personal trainer, a human being, has that AI, yeah. AI can't. I don't know if it right. democratizes it though, because uh, the, this, the, the thing that, that the barrier that tends to uh, prevent people from hiring trainers isn't the convenience. Trainers are extremely convenient. They go to your house, it's the cost. And the cost of your product is about as much as it would cost to hire a trainer. It's a, you know, a $3,000 plus entry fee. And then there's a monthly fee on top of it, which is 
um, higher than most gyms. In fact, I wanted, I wanted to go back and circle back to the, the amount of members you have because I do have a question around that. Are you able to share the amount of users that are currently using your product? Well, we can't, we can't share financials, but what right. we can say is it's in the tens of thousands. So, t- so, so you have tens of thousands yep. of people. So and, here, and to give you a sense, last year we grew 8x year over year. Okay. And so you started like projecting those growth rates forward. And so, there, so, so out of your tens of thousands, it's uh, fair to say that a nice chunk of that happened recently. Relatively recently, a couple of years. Well, I mean, if we grew 8x year, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. you have tens of thousands of people. Big chunk of that is kind of recent, but it's in the tens of thousands, which is a decent chunk. Still not huge in terms of, of users when you compare it to other you know, other things, but um, there may be a bit of a self-selection bias. And what I mean by that is when you look at the consistency and the, the, the stickiness of members in like, I don't know, Fitness 19 or a Planet Fitness where people are paying... 20 bucks a month or 10 bucks a month and you compare them to a country club where someone's paying 200 bucks a month or 300 bucks a month the retention is far higher with the country club than there is with the the low entry type of fitness because your product is a high entry in comparison there that, that might play a role in, in some of the stickiness and then also a big chunk of your people just came on I, you know I'm very curious to see what happens four or five years from now because fitness tends to be plagued by this new thing, you know, kind of phenomenon, right? The new thing that comes in, everybody's doing it. It's really great. It's just going to solve fitness. And then it becomes less popular as something well, else. Well, I mean, we could sit here all day and we could speculate, but I, I would imagine, Ali being the CEO and founder, um, where do you see yourself most vulnerable? So let's 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 answer the question in a few different ways. So, so here you have effectively what I'm going to call the most versatile piece of fitness equipment ever created, okay. right? And I'm going to say more versatile than a dumbbell, more versatile than any cable machine. Um, the way it adjusts dynamically, it can do eccentric overload. So you can do a bicep curl with 40 pounds on the way up and 50 pounds on the way down. I can get behind down. that. I can get it has behind a spotter that. spotter built. So, so most versatile piece of equipment ever created. It's already in your home. Um, it's affordable, right? So with the financing programs, it's $149 a month. So that's the monthly subscription. That's the hardware delivery, installation, accessory. How kit. long is that financing? Uh, that's 36 months. Okay. So three years, 149 bucks a month. And then after that, it's 49 a month because you're just paying the membership piece and the hard, the hardware is fully paid off at that point. Got right. It. So 149, you know, you compare that to like a gym membership. You can compare that to a personal trainer. I'm, I'm going to argue that's, that's affordable. Sure. It's already in your home. Right. And so then the question for us is like, where, where are we most vulnerable? Um, we're, our vulnerability is when we don't wake up every day and ask ourselves, why are people working out and what do we need to do to keep them consistent? Mm-hmm. And that's literally like, that's, that is our business model. That is what, what drove that valuation for the business. Um, and that is where our incentives are aligned with the incentives of, of our member base is, you know, the deal is very simple. If we can keep you working out for the rest of your life into old age, you're going to keep paying us $49 a month. And we wake up and like, we view it as like, that's our, that's our, you know, that's our business model and that's our business to lose. And so what happens five years from now? Well, how has the world changed and how have we reacted to it? We have an incredibly versatile piece of equipment. We have a 24 inch screen. We have a mobile app um, that's in the user's pocket, in our member's pocket with them wherever they go. And how are we going to use those things to keep people working out? And so at some point, it may become more about education. It may become about, you know, giving them different types of routines. It might be about understanding that when people do begin to fall off the wagon, because maybe they had a life event, maybe they had a kid, how'd you adapt the workouts? How'd you adapt the programming? You know, and so, yeah, you, I mean, you are, you are right in that people like, it's not like people like buy a tonal and they're working out 40 minutes um, a day, you know, every other day. 
and every single member does that in perpetuity. Like that's the average. Mm -hmm. But you start breaking it up into cohorts and groups of people, you see people who like fall off and then we start like hitting them with email with email campaigns to try and get them back or push notifications or we try getting them into like, we have we have these things that we call fitness snacks. We're like, hey, just, it's only seven minutes. Just try one of our seven minute workouts and you're trying to like basically win them back and get them back into it. But at the end of the day, I think the, the answer to your, to your question is, you know, there isn't like a silver bullet. There isn't a magic formula. Um, what it is, it's, it's a team of people who's like job, incentive, their lifeblood. Like we live and die by this. And we're going to pull out, pull all the stops and do everything we can to keep people working out for the rest of their lives. Yeah, I, I, look, I, I tell you what, I like your message and I, I think I, I like your approach, but I do want to say that, and I, I hate to be the, you know, what do they say? The turd in the punch bowl, right? But I, I, I hate to say this, but that getting people to work out all the time is always everybody's focus in every, the godfather of the gym industry, Mark Mastroff or Ray Wilson, or, you know, uh, our, what we try to do or anybody else. That's always the thing that you're trying to focus on. It's such a hard challenge. And I will say this, like, if you could solve that, not only will your company be worth uh, 1.6 billion, I would say, considering that obesity is a worldwide modern uh, epidemic, you would become the most wealthy company in the world. I think you would surpass Google if you could do that. So it's a very lofty thing to do. Um, commendable that you're trying to attack it. Very, very challenging. So it, so it seems to me like the, the, ten, the tens of thousands of users, the recent growth, it seems to me like they're like projecting, oh, this is going to be something that's going to be huge in 10 years or whatever. Whereas fitness companies tend to get valued on three times what they're earning now. It sounds like you're getting valued on what we're probably going to do, what we think we may do based off of our trajectory in the next five to 10 years. It feels like, and that's why that's why I made that comment. It's getting valued like a tech company. I remember when Netflix got valued, they weren't even making any money, but they were basing it on their users and projections. Ooh, that's tough with fitness. You so know? Breast, breast tax, companies yes. valued, it's valued on discounted cash flows based on the number of tonals they expect us to sell in the next 12 months okay. and an assumption that all of those people um, continue to pay us that subscription for four years. Got it. So you you take that cash flow model, you do a discounted cash flow. That's how you get to one point six billion. Got it. Right. And and at the end of the day, that's not even that's not even accounting for like my vision and what you just said. Like that is our vision. That's yeah. That's what the investors believe. They they're not they're not just valuing it at one point six billion today. They paid that price because they what you just said is what they're banking on us possibly being able to pull off. And becoming one of the most valuable valuable businesses, um, and and it's to the benefit of, of of all of our members. That's where our incentives are aligned. Mm. And so, two years from now, three years from now, maybe we've grown by another ten x, right? Uh, and we have ten times as many people. And we're, again, we're working to keep them working out, keep them keep them healthy, and and we're not just approaching it as like you know you know you talked about this thing last time about like it's not about binge exercise. It's a hundred percent about consistency. Mm-hmm. You keep people consistent, and you keep growing your community uh, and and everyone wins, right? And that's that's what those investors were banking on. Uh, but for me, I don't like, I don't wake up every day and like look at the stock price. Like that's not, that's not how I think. No, you're looking right? at the retention, right? We're looking the, at the engagement metrics. Yeah. We're looking at like how, and how do I, how do we basically make people's lives better? Because if you just do that, if you realize that if you make people's lives better, if you get them to work out consistently, and if you start to think more holistically, that's why we rolled out like pre and postnatal, you know, workouts, mm-hmm. you know, last, you know, about, I think about seven or eight months ago, right? You start thinking about how you're going to basically serve people better and make their lives better. Mm. 
everyone wins. And that's, that's what I wake up with. And, and you just have faith that everything else rolls out. Like I didn't build the discounted cash flow model. Some analyst who works for Dragoneer did, mm. but I'm sure that, you know, the more of this we do, the more they'll be happier. And that's how you fund the business. Now the programming side of it, I'm just, I'm curious as to where you're finding your coaches and like, you know, what kind of qualifications you're looking for? Like what kind of, I mean, do you have a whole like scientific staff you've brought in to kind of bring in that, that health and fitness, uh, you know, uh, education? Yeah, I mean, we we started with that from the very beginning. So I think a lot of, a lot of what happens in the world of group fitness, and if you look at the connected fitness sector in general, right? You're talking about like bikes in the home trying to deliver like a soul cycle-like experience or what have you. Um, or you look at what's happening with like growing and treadmill. Like a lot of what's going on with connected fitness, it's about group fitness and it's really about entertainment, right? We're going to take a piece of equipment, bring it into your home and right. deliver- we talk a lot about that. An entertaining group fitness experience to you. And we did not start with entertainment as our core pillar. Like, look, it has to be fun, right? The the worst workout in the world, I don't care how scientifically advanced it is. And if, like, if it's been blessed by 20 physiologists, <laughs> if people aren't doing it, that's right. That's, <laughs> that's right. right. Yeah, it that's right. So, so look, it has to be fun. It has to be, it has to be effective. Um, and our, our promise is like, get, get faster, stronger. It's like, how can we basically give you the best workout in the shortest, shortest amount of time? And so when we went and re you know, recruited our first crop of coaches, um, we, we didn't, we didn't go get entertainers. We got real coaches. We're talking about people who have like, you know, like one of, one of them was studying to do our PhD in injury prevention. Um, coaches are worked up at, at mm. a gym in San Francisco called Diakati, which some yeah. of you might have heard of. Yeah, I'm familiar. Like really, really like legit, legit, um, legit training gym with like some of the best trainers in the country. And we started going around the nation, like looking for these people. Um, and then we also started building like a layer of like an advisory board and people who are experts. And we haven't announced a lot of this stuff yet. There's, there's a bunch of announcements coming in the next several months, but a lot of it has to do with just like, trying to make sure that what we're doing is also scientifically sound. Mm. How can we leverage what we know about physiology and how can we contribute back to the, the science of physiology to give people better workouts? We're also running like clinical trials with the Mayo Clinic for like the use of tonal and rehab applications. So like we're, we are nerds when it comes to this stuff. Mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. I want to, I want to, Justin took a left. I want to go back to where you were at because what I'm curious about, because you, the thing that I am still hung up on, I, I can't believe the retention rate, the retention rate and the usage is, is mind boggling to me. Um, even as, as, and I think we all agree how amazing it is. And I think in what you did, as far as building it that way, I, I commend everything you've done. Um, when you wake up and you look at that, if it goes and it's at 90 something percent, where does it get scary for you? How, if, at what point do you go like, okay, this could become a problem. And I mean, obviously you're always wanting to keep it, but I know you're a realistic guy. You yeah. probably know that it's not going to stay at 95% forever. Where do you go? Oh shit. So where it gets scary for me is it's not, it's not about like some metric, like crossing some threshold. Uh, because the truth is we don't look at our, we don't look at our community as a monolith. Right. I mean, I mean, it's easy to say like, here's, you know, here's the big group and look at how mm. few we actually like break it up into like the little slivers and we're like, why is this group falling off? Right. Why, why, why are people who seem to have this, this profile, why are they, you know, as a, as a small group, but why is this small group beginning to oh, fall cool. off? And can we call them and can we figure out what, what they need and what happened? And so for us, it's, it's about looking for those canaries of the coal mine of not, you know, it's, it's not going to be this thing where like suddenly the entire community is just going to like fall off a cliff. Um, but it's going to be this thing where you're going to find these little pockets, which are going to begin to like fall off in terms of their behavior. And, um, and if you don't figure out why that's happening, um, 
that could end up spreading. You could find like other other pockets begin to have the same thing. And so that's really like our paranoia is about looking for like the little groups of people who who like are starting to like not be consistent or they're falling off or what have you. What have you learned so far in that area? Is there something that you've learned or seen already? Well, one, we've, we've seen a few things, right? So the first thing that we've seen um, is uh, is the way people use the product in the first month is a predictor of how they're going to behave forever. So those people who get the ton- get a tonal and they use it 30 times in 30 days, um, I can pretty much guarantee you that they're going to use the tonal at least 20 times a month forever. Wow. Right? So, wow. so there's this, there's this element of like within that group of people, it's like self-motivated consistency. And the people who use the tonal, who get the tonal and they're super, super like sporadic, like they get it and they use it seven days in a row and then they fall off for 10 days and then they use it twice. And, and, and people who are more, they're going to be, they're actually going to be sporadic forever. And they're the ones who are more likely going to like, you know, they may never like completely fall off, but they might go like three week stints or five week stints without using it. And then they come back. Um, and you got to you got to take a very very different approach with those two di- two different groups of people. In one group, you're keeping them you know you're keeping them motivated by showing them their progress over time, and we have metrics like strength score, and you can drill down to any particular exercise and see your progress. And and they're just looking to constantly be challenged. And if you can show them the journey, it just motivates them to stay even more consistent. But with a sporadic group, right? Um, they probably bought a tonal because their life was challenging. Their life was like my life, right? <laughs> you, you have a busy, you have, you have, a, you, have a, you have a crazy job. You have a child who's 18 months old. Um, and, and for us, it's about, for them, like we actually go like spend a bunch of time building mechanisms, like, you know, leaderboards and streak scores where like, you know, if you miss more than seven days, you lose, you break your streak. And we start sending you push notifications, almost like taunting you back into like 48 hours and you're going to lose your streak and 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 we give them badges and, and so you start building different kind of experiences within the product to try and target target the different groups yeah, yeah i'm not i'm going to be i mean quite honest the way you communicate uh fitness and the things that you're you're you know that tonal does you do it better than any other company that i've heard in in your space i'm going to be honest with you you understand the, the benefit of strength training you understand, uh, you know, how people get fit and stay consistent better um, than some of these other companies that I've heard. And I, I think that's phenomenal. Now, there is a, a, another question that I have. I, I know one of your competitors, like, I don't know if you want to call him a competitor, Peloton, um, did very well during the pandemic. And then they hit a snag where the demand uh, was so high that their supply couldn't meet that demand. And it actually tanked their stock. I know this because I, during the pandemic, I thought this would be a great company to invest in because I could see people moving to home fitness because gyms were closed. Um, have you guys run into anything like that yet? Because you also have this kind of advanced piece of technology people need to have delivered. How does that look for you guys? We got the same problem. I won't lie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as as we sit today, right, if you order a tunnel, it's 10, at least 10 weeks before you get it installed, mm-hmm. sometimes as long as 12 weeks, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's a 10 to 12 week delivery period from when you order today. And that's, you know, that's a combination of like the the sharp increase of demand that we saw last year. We responded by, you know, increasing production. So we took our first factory and we, we increased production there by 6X. And then we went and got a whole second factory and brought that online. And that one's producing about the same now. So we have two factories producing tonals. We produce way more tonals every week than we sell because we're trying to clear that backlog of orders. Um, but the thing you have to realize during the last year is the world was also falling apart, right? Um, getting tonals across the ocean on boats right now, like international logistics, it used to be you could stick a tonal on a boat and, you know, 27 days later it would arrive in San Francisco. Now it's taking like 70, 80 days just across the ocean. There's like ports are clogged. 
trucking is like falling apart. I would, I would assume supply chains too, with maybe even parts and things that you need to put on. There. There's a global semiconductor shortage, was kind of what you might be alluding to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's that. Um, there are other things like um, here's here's a funny story, but you know, like it's tonal's a cable system. That cable, that rope that you pull on, that's actually like high performance sailing rope um, that comes from a factory in in Italy, and they make like this rope for like sailboats, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Italy was the first place to get hit by the pandemic right. in, in the West. Uh, and that factory shut down oh, and like, nice. they're like, they're like, we're under quarantine. And we're like, no, no, you don't understand. We need, you know, we need like a million kilometers of this rope. Can you, can you get it to us? <laughs> oh, and, man. and the owner of the factory, like literally smuggled some rope out and like shipped it to our factory. Oh, like, wow. Um, and, and it's like keeping stuff moving, like scaling 8X and keeping stuff moving when the world around you is falling apart. Is, it's really, really hard. That's it's, gotta be the most frustrating thing. It's also though what makes... Uh, Everything you're talking about, even more impressive though. Uh, I'm I'm even more impressed that you can take take ten weeks to get the product to someone's house, and they still use the fucking thing. Because what we know in the gym space, yeah, if someone came in, bought a membership, and then took ten weeks off in a row, I ain't ever seeing them. <laughs> yeah. You know, say so yeah. that motivation is yeah. Even if they completely. spent the money and they're getting deducted the money on the account, they because fitness is such an, an an emotional decision for so many people, right? They wake yeah. up one day, they look at themselves in the mirror, they go, "Oh my god, I'm fat." I feel sick. they feel bad about themselves, and that motivates them to go do something about it. They go do something. And if they, if I did something about yeah, it, you could lose them. Yeah, They'll go somewhere else. So the fact that they still wait, use it, and then use it consistently is incredibly yeah. impressive. You know, it's it's kind of like Christmas. They're waiting. They're waiting. Like they're <laughs> looking forward to it, and they're counting down the days. And they're like they're going on on our community on Facebook, and they're like posting, and they're like three weeks to go, and like they're you know it, it's for them. It is it is a it is a big moment, and like. Trust me, I would rather have the tunnels in their homes than sitting on boats in the ocean right now. Uh, and we're doing everything we can. I, and I, by the way, I just hired a new chief operations officer, or vice president of logistics, the vice president of plant. Like we're like staffing up as much as we can. That's got to be the most hard. frustrating thing as a business owner to see the demand in, in the problem is you. I can't give you the product, <laughs> yeah. and you just ah, that's like money. Just like that's one of the. I remember when we first started the podcast, we would talk about. What if things exploded? Somebody gave us money, and Adam made a great point. We wouldn't yeah. know what to do with it because yeah. we don't know yet, and it would have been a, it would be a total waste. It would have and wasted I, it all. Yeah. So, do you have strategies like in the in the interim? Because how long? Let me ask you this: How long do you think until you guys are able to meet the demand so that when people buy the product, they can get it within a reasonable time? So, our, our current projections are July. So we think that oh wow, you know, you order now, you're gonna you know you'll get it you know, you'll get it by like, you know, June-ish, but you order in July, you might get it in August. So like the, the, the wait times are definitely coming down with one little caveat, which is historically in the past, every time we like get enough product here that we actually lower the wait times because we're able to like clear a bunch of the, that order that order backlog, demand goes up commensurately. Mm. And so it's like, you're like, uh, okay, we just like, now it's no longer 10 to 12 weeks. Now it's like six to eight weeks. And suddenly a whole bunch of orders start coming in because all those people who are like waiting for the wait times. And so assuming that we don't have a lot of that happening by the summertime, uh, Mm. we should be much. Is that where a a majority of the investment that you've got, um, that you guys got, is that where you're, you're using this is to figure out that, that problem right there. How do we get the product made and delivered to meet demand? A lot of it, a lot of it is going there. So, so our investments are number one, a lot in like supply chain, manufacturing, logistics, customer care, right? You got, you know, 10, 20 times as many users as you did 10, 18 months ago, sorry, 12 or 18 months ago. And there's a lot more work to do there. Right. And so a lot of investments are going there. We have a lot of investments going into product. And so content, um, we're going to be producing way, way more content than we, we produce today. And, and we're continually upping the quality, the production quality, 
you know, right now we're only on demand and like a lot of people ask us, when are you going to be live? Like, it's obvious at some point we're going to be live. So those are, those are oh, so like live class. Mm-hmm. Like You're on live, someone's right. just pre-recorded right now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Now it's, it's a big screen, right? That projects like, is there, uh, are you, do you have plans for like other entertainment and stuff to be presented on that? Or is it pure fitness? It's pure fitness. But when we, when we think about scaling content and we already have about a dozen different modalities. So we have yoga, we have Pilates, we have, we have hit classes, bootcamp classes. So we have, we have a lot of different stuff. And again, when you're driving consistency, right, we think of like strength training as the trunk, but we also want to cover all the branches, right? Mm -hmm. So investments there, investments in AI, in the intelligence, the personalization, like the more personalized you can make it, I think the better, better will be for, for our members. Like the more they can use it, the more they're going to get results, results keep you coming back. Right. And then, and then of course, so, so that's, that's another, you know, another, another big investment. Um, And then the third one is just on marketing. Like, let's be honest. Um, people who know about tonal, people who've touched tonal, they, they, they have the religion, right? I have never, like in years of, of talking about tonal, I have never been able to overhype the product. Um, none of you have touched it, right? None mm-hmm. of you have physically touched one? No, I, I, was, I was in the mall and I saw one, but I didn't do anything okay. with it. Yet. I promise you that when you go touch one, you're going to like look at me and say, Ali, if this thing far exceeded my, I had no idea. This thing's amazing. I'm really strong though. It only goes up to 200 pounds. Yeah. I don't know if I can use it. You have a Tesla's kind of power. <laughs> All I'm going to say is you'd be surprised. Okay. 200 pounds on tonal is not like 200 pounds. Oh, really? There's okay. no, there's no, there's no momentum. Or well, they can, he gets slowed down. They, it slows down the eccentric portion of the yeah, exercise yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. So there's, yeah. there's I might have these two arms. Yeah, there's the. <laughs> you need a I'm few more magnets for me over here. There's the there's the eccentric, and then there's also the the momentum and inertia isn't there, so you don't get to you don't get to like generate all your power in the first ten percent of the rep. Got and, like, it. and so it's way way harder, and and it's a product where like I literally have I have not figured out the set of words to like overhype it. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what I say, people touch it and they're like, wow, this thing's amazing, right? And so it's fair to say we also have a lot of investments to make in marketing to get more and more people aware of what this thing is and how amazing it is. And it's kind of like the journey we took with, with electric cars. Like when we were kids, we were always told that electric cars were like, they were the alternative for the environmental nuts. If you're an environmental nut, you were going to drive electric, but you were compromising, right? And um, anyone who was serious about, about cars was always going to drive combustion engines. And now you get in a Tesla and you realize that a, a car like that can outperform a combustion engine in every dimension. Acceleration, emissions, reliability, range. Like you can do better in every single dimension. And that's kind of the moment that people have when they touch a tonal for the first time. They begin reevaluating a lot of what they thought they knew they knew about you know about about equipment. Now that's a great uh, elevator pitch, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah that's, that's really good. <laughs> and I still haven't overhyped it. I promise. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You you gotta touch it. So you guys, I mean, you're pretty much focused on like the general public and just trying. The main objective is to get people using them, becoming more healthy in their habits. Do you have any plans on because you're seeing all this data and all this uh, these analytics of like how to uh, adjust things to to squeeze out that the maximal amount of performance? Like where do we see this as being like maybe an alternative being all just high performance driven and, and in sort of the, the sports performance direction. We have been pulled into that world. So we, we, we have been pulled in. So we got pulled into the world of physical therapy and rehab. And, and again, we haven't gone deep in there yet because again, we have this, this focus on consumers. Mm. Uh, and that was like the Mayo Clinic clinical trials we were talking about. We've also been pulled into the world of pro athletics where we have a lot of pro athletes using, using tonal to train. A lot of strength and conditioning coaches are using it. Uh, we've actually had about two dozen athletes like personally invest invest in the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the Orlando bubble, about half the teams were using tonals. Like wow. they were, they were like, you know, they were they had to go set up these makeshift gyms, and 
you know, for them, like, they're like, well, we're going to get tonals because it works in a compact space. It's smart. We get data. We don't have like the million dollar facility that we were used to. Um, and now those train, those tonals will like follow them back. Like after mm-hmm. they left the bubble, a lot of them took, the, took them with them. Um, and so like, we're, we're starting to get more and more into that world. And, you know, it, for us, it's like, it's fun and it's exciting, you know, to be in the world of pro sports. But we also are cognizant of the fact that like, we also don't want it to become a distraction from our core mission, mm-hmm. right? Our core mission is like hundreds of millions of Americans who need to be more fit, who need to be more healthy. Right. Uh, and, um, and you can have, you can have a lot of fun along the way, but you know, you can't, you can't yeah. forget your mission. You got to keep the main thing, the main thing. There's a couple things that I think you did really good. Uh, one is it's a cable, uh, system. So it allows for, you know, fluid movement. That's way more, uh, individualizable than a machine that's stuck on a track or in a particular, this is why free weights are so good. Cause free weights allow you to move in all kinds of, uh, different directions. The second thing that you did, that's really good. And uh, I have not heard this from people in your space, is that you said strength training is the trunk and then the branches is everything else. Uh, as, as trainers, that's 100% uh, accurate and correct. Right. I want to go back to the, 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 you know, the 200 pounds that you guys advertise as the max load or whatever. And you said it's different than 200 pounds. Because I know 200 pounds for, for me in, in the gym, you know, there's some exercise that could do with that, but for other exercises, it's, it's not nearly enough weight or whatever. Or do you have anybody, have you had people say, hey, this is not enough resistance or is that not an issue at all? It is not an issue at all. We okay. we are not wow. we are not having people tell us that it's not really? it's not enough resistance for them. In fact, most people. In fact, if you go in our community, you often see posts to the effect of like, if you are skeptical, <laughs> you know, if you are skeptical that two hundred pounds on tonal isn't enough for you, I just got my tonal and I can tell you, you have nothing to worry about. Mm. Um, it is a lot. Of, it is a lot of resistance. Now, don't get me wrong. If you are if you are like a football player, um, and sure, it's you know you you're probably doing eight hundred pound squats, and we're not. We're not substituting for that. But if you're talking about, you know, general population, even people who are strong and have been going to the gym for years, it's way, way more than adequate. Um, and at some point, um, the more like, especially with mass, like when you're built, lifting, lifting free weights, the more you lift, um, the more injury prone you are. And at some point you start adapting the protocols, you know, okay, well, look, we're going to, we don't need to necessarily lift 300 pounds. We can lift 200 pounds with, in a system with no momentum and no, no inertia, eccentric overload and all these other protocols, but we're going to add on an extra set or we're going to, you know, we're going to do something a little different with the protocols. Um, because like you have someone who's also working out at home alone, right? And, you know, you, you, you know, you don't want them lifting hundreds and hundreds of pounds. Sure, right? sure. So you're, you're, you're finding different ways to increase the intensity or tension uh, exactly. to continue uh, progressing. Yeah, right. Now, what, what happens when we get a glitch? Like what, like what, what <laughs> I, I'm just curious because like a lot of things are software driven now and, and we're, we're kind of moving on this digital space. Uh, we know, we know what's going to happen with, with weights. We know, we know what that looks like. Uh, now what happens when we get somebody that's holding on to these cables, there's some malfunction. I mean, obviously you've thought about all this. I just want to hear you think your way through that. Sure. So, um, I mean, this is, this is a question of like safety, just like, how do you, right. how do you deal with safety and how do you engineer a system like this, this for safety? And the, um, the answer is just kind of traditionally speaking, the way you, you engineer these things is you kind of take the part of the system where safety matters the most and you isolate it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so for us, we actually have not one, but two computers on a tunnel. Um, we have the big kind of it's a, it's actually like an Android based 24 inch tablet. You never see Android It's all hidden behind the scene, but, but we call it, we think of that as the entertainment system. That's where you see the coaches. That's where you see the videos. That's where the UI is. 
but that is not where where the important stuff happens. Um, there's a whole separate computer that's dedicated to controlling the electromagnetics, the digital resistance, um, and that's a really, really kind of small, concentrated, highly QA system, certified um, by by safety regulators at UL. Like we we basically have gone through entire like safety and regulatory processes to make sure that the underlying technology and the digital weights is safe. Um, and we've even built like emergency brake systems in there. So like mm, if there's a power yeah. failure, like you don't, tension doesn't go to zero instantly. There's there's a brake that kicks in. And, and so like you have to think through this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and I, I, I called up people in like the medical devices, you know, world in the early days. I'm like, hey, when you're making like a robot that like does surgery on someone, how do you make sure it's safe, right? Mm, and right. and like you you get you know you start to like learn how they're thinking about the world and how you isolate things and you got to ask yourself, well, if this thing fails, what kicks in instead? If this thing, and you just got to work through it. Mm. What's your split, men to women, who who have your product are able to share that? Yeah, it's about forty five fifty five. So forty five what women? Oh wow, so that's a decent that's a pretty decent split. It looks nothing like a weight room. Right, which is yeah. which is like it's not the eighty twenty split or the eighty five fifteen that you normally see in a weight room, and I think it's like it's 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 in the it's in the home. It's more accessible, you know. It's just it's more it's more approachable, and and I think that's really that's helpful. actually a really good statistic because no, if you statistic. see all women or all men doing something, then there's something. In my opinion, there's usually something wrong with the the, the product or how it's being you know communicated. Well, I feel like we've had, we've had you on the hot seat for long enough here. I think hey, it's, that, it's, it's all good. It's no, fine. no, it's great. <laughs> I think you've been doing well. Yeah. I think you think you handle yourself great. Um, let's talk now about some of the fun stuff, right? And probably the neat part, probably more fun for you to talk about, and that that is the, the journey of 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 getting this thing started. And, um, you know, when did you know you had something, uh, like when did those first, you know, hundreds or thousands of orders start to come in and like, give me kind of like the, the short version of your, your six and a half, seven year journey in this thing. So, uh, look, the story of entrepreneurship is like, when did you, when did you believe and when, when could you prove it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. right, yeah. We believe at so, the beginning, right? So, so I believed it, um, I'd say I believed it about three months after I got started. Oh, wow. That, so, that quick. Yeah. And, and and effectively what happens is like I was at the gym that day I was telling you about and I go home, I order some parts, I they start arriving, I'm strapping them to my kitchen counter, I'm beginning to build a prototype. And what I'm really trying to ask myself is, can I invent the world's first like electronic digital um, strength training system running on this like wonky, like on electromagnetics, right? Like that's kind of like what I'm what I'm thinking. And it took me about three months to build something that proved to myself enough that I could believe that this was possible. Um, it wasn't great. Like it wasn't like the digital weight system that could go from five pounds to 200 pounds, which is what Tonal does today. It didn't go below 25 and it didn't go above 40. So it was like, you know, <laughs> but I could, I could do like, you know, 30 pound bicep curls with like 35 pound eccentric. And, and, and I, and I, I knew like, I knew there was something here. I knew that if I kept going, this could change the world. Um, but frankly, like no one believed me. <laughs> I mean, like you go call up like investors, or you're driving up and down Silicon Valley, and you're meeting with investors, and mm. you know they're like, you know, you're getting all the things like, but don't people actually like going to the gym? Why would they want to work at it? Were now? you already pitching that early right. too? Were you already looking for money at that time? Oh, I mean, it's a hardware company. Like it took us, it took us like twenty something million dollars just to get the product out to market. Wow, right? Because like. It was, mm -hmm. it was years of development. We were like at a hundred employees by the time, by the time we launched. So like, this isn't like a lot of times when you hear like hardware companies here in Silicon Valley, it's like a printed circuit board with like two pieces of plastic on mm -hmm. the outside. Like it's like a clam, it's called the clamshell designs, like two pieces of plastic and they kind of hug one printed circuit board and like one person can make that. This was not that. This was like engineering something new from the ground up for years, right? 
Um, and so, yeah, you know, we, we needed, we needed the money. I needed the money. So I was out, I was out pitching and like, and like people just did not believe in the early days. And it took, it took a little bit of progress after a little bit of progress after a little bit of progress to get people to believe. And so the first check I ever raised was like $250,000, like like barely enough money to like pay one engineer for like a year. Right. (laughs) And so like, I, I, I hire like a couple of engineers and we're paying them. And so like, now I know like I only got enough money to pay these people for six months. I'm still, I'm still not making any money. Right. Um, and, and so you, but, but, but you know, what we, what we built was a better prototype. And this one went from like 20 pounds to 60 pounds. And then we kept going. And like, I, I remember like this one moment that sticks in my, in my head was we called it the birthday challenges. It was my birthday in the year 2016. And it was like, on Ali's birthday, which is in the summer, I think same birth, July, like your kid, yeah. right? Um, you know, Ali's going to do a full body workout on a, on a tonal prototype. And it was the first prototype we had that was like fully adjustable and the arms could adjust and, you know, and, and you could do everything that you could, you know, almost everything you could do on today's tonal. Uh, and that was like the first prototype in 2016. And we showed that prototype to, um, to investors. And this one guy came in, his name was Rob, Rob Coney Bear. Uh, and he was, um, he was the lead investor in Nest, like one of the early investors who like invested in that Nest mm-hmm. thermostat. And I remember, I remember the moment where I knew that, that I had a real believer. He was doing bicep curls on tonal and he looks at me and he says, Hey Ali, when the rest of the world sees this, do you think they'll ever strength train the old way again? Oh, wow. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I got him. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and literally it was maybe 60 days later, we had $10 million in our bank account. Wow. And that's when we were off to the races. Right. Mm, wow. So wow. when was your first, uh, like, I guess, takeoff with the, with the sales to the consumers? So we launched in, in August of 2018 and we started shipping, shipping in October. Um, and you know, I'd say it was by like maybe January of 2019, um, as we like just went through that holiday season and into the new year's new year season started to deliver the product nationwide. We initially started with just like a, a San Francisco, like we were only accepting orders in San Francisco and we got broader and broader. By March, we were nationwide. That's really where things started to really pick up, really take off. The holiday season in 2019 was just incredible. It was mind-blowing for us. We had showrooms in three different cities, and they were just like, you know, flying off the shelf. People, I remember one person walked into our showroom in New Jersey and bought three tonals for their three kids, um, who all lived at the same house. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Can't share. And, 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 you know, and it just started to, to build on itself. And then we had this amazing holiday season and then we we're just getting ready to take a breather because it's a little bit seasonal, right? What happens is you have you know, big November, big December, January, February, and then it kind of like levels off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it starts to grow again, starting September as you head into the next holiday season. So summer is like, that's your level off time. That's when you're par- preparing your supply chain. That's when you're preparing your marketing plans for the next holiday season. And so we're just starting to like get ready for like the big next cycle and then COVID hits, mm. right? And it was like, literally, we kept having whatever we sold the prior Black Friday, that Black Friday day, like worth of sales just kept happening over and over and over again for months on end. Wow. Right. And that's, that's how we grew ADEX in that, in that one year. And, and that, that has not slowed down. It has not let I up. was just going to ask you, are you, if you, if you foresee that that it might be challenging with gyms reopening, but you're saying there's no slowdown. You know, people had to build entirely new habits. Like the hardest thing that's we right. do is teach people habits. It's mm-hmm. the hardest things we do. And once people have learned a habit, like they're not going to just unlearn it and snap and snap back to you. So, so for all those people who had gym memberships and, and like driving to the gym was part of the routine, now they figured out completely other ways of accomplishing exercise. 
uh, and I don't. That's just not going to reverse, right? The the trend towards at home workouts was was already happening, right? And Peloton did that, mm-hmm. right? They they proved that, um, and it accelerated through the pandemic. And it's I don't think it's going to reverse course. I think what we will see, um, and I, I and I say this for the sake of the for the sake of the entire industry, um, is I I really hope that a lot of gyms are going to be reinventing their business models. Like the idea that you're just going to drive somewhere just to like access equipment. I don't think that's a really sustainable business model anymore. Oh, uh, it, it wasn't. Just so you know, even yeah, it wasn't very. Yeah, solid, even ten years ago, it was, I mean, we tell we try and explain that to people all the time. It's like one of the common questions we get asked: How come you guys don't own a gym? Like, because it's terrible. It's not yeah. profitable. It's totally. it's kind of a it's a very uh, dead model. There's just not a lot of money in it because it's not very consistent, not very successful. And so, and by the way, a lot of, of the the surveys that they've been doing since the pandemic. Uh, agree with you. It was we challenged the one of our buddies is the president for UFC gyms. Oh yeah, and w- we interviewed him. And one of the things that we we challenged him that because he was you know obviously hopeful for things going back to normal and that we're going to see this big surge back in the gym. And the way we challenged him was like, do you think so? Because what we're what we're reading is that a lot of people were forced to change their behaviors, and a good percentage of those are saying, hey, I kind of like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean. Another example, completely unrelated, but like I never, I never did like grocery deliveries before, before tonal, sorry, before, before COVID. And, and now that I've experienced what that's like, I am never setting, setting foot in a Costco again, right? I used to go to Costco like every, every two months. And it was like, it was like hit with shopping carts. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was painful, like going to Costco, but you know, you did it and you're like, it was only, it's, I only got to do it like five or six times a year, but I got to do it. And now I get Costco delivered twice a week. And it's amazing. And I'm yeah. never going back. And Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's yeah, pretty cool. Total, and, and I think that's just like, there are a bunch of things in the world that have changed like that. And, and it's, it's for the better, I hope. Yeah. yeah. Right? Do you, are you guys pulling from people who work out already? Or are you guys seeing people start working out uh, with your product? <clears throat> so that's a funny question. So, um, and I'll, t- I'll tell you what, you'll, you'll, you'll see why I say it when I tell you the answer. Um, the person who like goes to our website and buys the product and hits like submit, um, they are definitely someone who was already working out, right? In fact, I'd say on average, four times a week before they bought the tonal, and they're okay. often buying the tonal to take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, they live with someone who does not work out. Mm. And what we're, what we're seeing a lot of is people who, who have either, whoops, sorry, people have either um, not previously worked out consistently or people who have not previously strength trained at all. A lot of, you got a lot of people who bought the tonal, they're married to someone who was a cardio junkie that did zero strength training. And now we're getting them into it, mm. right? And to me, that feels like a huge win because I think we all know, like in this room, we all know that if you're going to do one thing into old age, it's not a lot of cardio. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you do not, you do not want to run your way into old age. Um, that's a lot of wear and tear on your body, and it's a lot of as you get older, a lot of metabolizing muscle, right? Um, and and you want to strength train as you get older, and the fact that we can get people like a little bit off the cardio train and more onto more balanced strength training type of a behavior. Uh, I think for us is a huge one. Yeah, that's the right. Uh, I mean, that's the right the right direction. If you're going to pick a direction, that's the right direction. Well, I think that's. Opinion. I mean, that and it, I think there is enough for you to feed off of just that and alone. 100. percent Just the people that are home running on treadmills, running outside every single day. Think, I mean, that Sal's entire entire book, The Resistance Training Revolution, is, is about that. Is about that. Is that you know uh, about you know in the 70s there was this running revolution and people got on this kick and we haven't got out of this kick thinking that this is the best way to get healthy and it's couldn't be further from the truth. 
So, and that was actually one of the things I think that we liked best about your messaging. I mean, we listened to some of your interviews and, and some of the stuff you've talked about, and uh, we definitely align here. I mean, we'd, we we agree 100% that that is the right message to be presenting to the masses. And there's a lot of people that don't know it still. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's, it's the science, I mean, the science says this, the research has said this for decades. Um, but, but getting that out into the world, like, you know, we talk about like having to market tonal. A lot of what we're doing is marketing strength training, right? Just reminding people how important it is for them to do it. Because mm -hmm. a lot of the reasons people don't strength train today is deep down inside, they know they should, they just don't know how. Yeah. Right. And we get to help them with that. Yeah. Or, or the stigma, right. That I'm going to touch weights and then I'm going to look like uh, Arnold tomorrow as if it was yeah. that easy to do that. It, it's not. <laughs> yeah. So you'll, you'll get stronger. You'll feel stronger. You'll feel your muscle. You'll, you'll, you know, you'll be like, you know, three weeks into a routine, you'll be in the shower lathering up. You'll be like, Oh, hello. What's that? Yeah. Right. Like the, you have those moments for sure, but looking like Arnold, like that's, that's a whole nother level. Yeah, that's right. uh, that's that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> that won't happen. What are all the different ways that you guys are advertising and marketing? Do you have? I think you have some partnerships with some NBA players and stuff. And you know, share with us a little bit, like all your different marketing strategies, and maybe the ones that maybe you didn't know were going to work out and they worked out really well, or ones that you thought would be really good and then didn't it be as good as you want. Like, what have you seen? You know, it's it's. It's funny, but I think a lot of it is, is you know, we have a lot of the stuff that's that's really fun and the stuff we're doing on social media and um, and a lot of the storytelling that we can do around athletes and all, all that sort of stuff. The bulk of it, though, still goes to traditional TV, Facebook, Instagram, like your traditional YouTube, your traditional media channels are still doing, I think, the, the bulk of the heavy lifts. And then what we're able to do is basically tell a bunch of a bunch of stories around it. Mm. Um, and so a lot of for a lot of the pro athletes who got got tonals, um, it's the footage of them using the product that that we're able to um, to use where like we're not using that to like, you know, on TV to get someone to visit our website for the first time. But once people have like started following us on on social media and they begin to see that it helps them begin to understand, hey, this thing is a little bit a little bit different. If it's good enough for a pro athlete, it's definitely good enough for me. Yeah. Storytelling mm -hmm. is like one of the most important things, especially when it comes to marketing. Did you did you hire and contract that out? Are you responsible for telling that story? What did that look like? It's, it's a lot. It's a lot of different people for sure. Um, I think, so I have, first of all, I have a chief marketing officer who's, um, who's incredible. He spent six years as a chief marketing officer at Ironman. Before that, he was vice president of marketing at, at Equinox uh, for four years. And so about 10, 10 years, just kind of like in, in the direct, direct industry, he's built, you know, an, an incredible team, um, including a, a vice president of marketing who came from Gatorade. And, and so, so like, you know, and then we have, internal internal designers we have external brand agencies and so you're you're working with like an entire like family of people to to tell a story like this because it's a rich it's a rich story um and and it's a it's a complex it's a complex business right so you know when you talk about like how i spend my time well hey it's not just about marketing the product it's not just like one piece of software like like a mobile app for instance where like your 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 world is about like building the software and and, and selling it like where we have to manufacture this stuff in Asia, we got to ship it across the world. We got to install it in people's homes. We run studios and down in Hollywood where we film, we got to. And so when you start thinking about all the facets of the business, um, I'm really kind of the integrator of like, how does all this stuff fit together? And how do I make sure that everyone is rowing in the same direction? Yeah. Um, but I have like the marketing is done by my marketing group and the content's done by my content group. And, and, you know, while I was like, I have like early footage of me, like in the machine shop, like making those first prototypes, I don't do that anymore. I haven't been in a machine shop in years. Yeah, right? yeah. And I miss it. I won't lie. I totally miss it. Well, take us it take us into a little bit of what type of character it takes as far as who you are to be a founder, CEO, then 
get a company valued that high and then have all these other very intelligent people working around you? Like, is there any thoughts of, you know, stepping out of the CEO role and what has that been like for you? And what does it take to be that guy with all these different people that you're now leading and telling what to do? You know, I, I love it. I love it. It's like, it's, it's actually the best job in the world. Um, because you get to, you know, you're in a position where you get to orchestrate all the, all of this stuff. And, um, and in the early days, I didn't, I didn't feel that way at all. Like, you know, most of my career I spent in technology. And if I ever like picked a title for myself, like I want to be the chief technology officer. I just, I love technology. I want to spend my world in, in, in tech. And that's where I thought I was going to end up. Um, but what I've, what I've realized like over the years, like as we, as you get to see how all of these different pieces built together, you know, fit together, um, you're not just thinking about the technology. You're thinking about how the technology works with the marketing and how the marketing works with the technology and the in-home delivery experience and, and, and you're, you're building this thing. And, and I like to joke that as a CEO, I do nothing, but I'm responsible for everything. Yeah. Right. Mm. And that's kind of, that's kind of what it means to, to orchestrate. It's like, I actually can't do anything. If I have to stop and go do something, um, I have failed my team and my team has failed me. Um, because if I'm going and doing some one very, very specific thing, there's probably like eight other people who are waiting on me for where I'm not giving them what they need. And so in some ways, like, again, it's, it's all about just keeping everyone, everyone aligned and rowing in the, in the same direction and, and making sure they're thinking about things the same way and challenging each other's thinking. Um, what does it take? It takes humility. It takes that beginner's mindset of like starting every day almost from a place where like, I know nothing, right? Um, and, you know, and, and asking people, well, wait, why, why, did, why did you say that? That was different than I would have assumed or different than this other person was assuming. Like, and, and, and that's what's hard about building such a multifaceted business. Yeah, and being right. a guy who was not really a fitness guy, obviously, and you openly admit that. Or like, a marketer. Right, right. <laughs> what 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 is this whole process taught you about? I mean, you're obviously pretty savvy and smart, though. Not a lot of people in your space are, are touting resistance training as the main form of exercise. So you've ob you've obviously read a lot of studies and you've learned. What have you learned during this, this whole process? Well, for, first of all, strength training was, I mean, for me, it was the unlock. It was what actually got me to achieve that really lofty goal. And as you know, like, you know, remember, type 2 diabetes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, trying to lose weight, trying to bur burn all this fat, recompose my body. Like you, you need you need to add significant amounts of your of muscle to your body in order to control your blood sugar levels and drive your A one C levels down. And and so like I I had no choice but to learn about this stuff to 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 get to get healthy. But in terms of you know in terms of what you know what I've learned, I've learned that when it comes to strength, strength becomes like a foundation in your life. For me, like I have I work twelve hour days back seven a.m. to seven p.m. every single day. Right. And the only break I take is I take an hour in the middle where I go do my workout on my tonal and that's my mental reset. Right. Um, and, and I've learned that like the physical stuff is it all it supports you emotionally it supports you mentally. Um, and that's a huge part. Um, the other thing that I learned is everyone needs a coach. Right. Um, and if you're strength training, you need you need a coach or a personal trainer or a tonal that's going to help you guide guide through your journey. But I also have an executive coach. Right, where they're coaching me as as I develop into a CEO, I've never done it before. Right, so I have an executive coach. Um, I'm also in like a coaching program with a bunch of where it's like a peer group where it's groups of CEOs who get together every quarter and we get together. Like you think this is you know you're calling this the hot seat. You think you think this is the hot. Try getting in a room with like seven people who are just as driven as you for two days, and you're each basically doing rundowns of each other's businesses and like <laughs> being like. Hey man, when we met three months ago, you know, you said you were going to do, uh, why haven't you done that? What changed in your business? What's your, what's your reason? And, and like, and, and, and it's like, it's, it's, it's tough love, but it's also like, 
you walk out of the sessions and you you always learn something because you know you're either you're either realizing like wait why didn't I do that or like wait why did I think that was important back then and now I know it's not like you're always you know and, and the same thing you're like you're watching other people's businesses and and you're you're kind of seeing the holes in their, their thinking and and then you're going back and be like well what am I forgetting about my business? Yeah, right. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. th- these coaching processes are just, they're, they're, they're essential in everything you do in life. And you're either challenging yourself or you're not, you're either going to the gym every day and doing the same bicep curl at the same number of pounds that you did three years ago, yeah. or you're trying harder every single day and you need someone to push you. So well, let's uh 10 years later, tonal is uh, worth hundreds of, of billions of dollars. It's, it's the Amazon of, of fitness equipment, right? Uh, where are you? What are you doing? Have I'm, you, have, have I'm, you, I'm still running tonal. You're still running that. You haven't sold or not. You're not, you wouldn't cash out. Never did it for the money. I mean, at the end of the day, like, look, man, we all, we all die and you don't take the money with you. Right. So like, you know, I think about, yes, I'm sure if I make a lot of money, some of it's going to go to my kids and they're going to have, you know, have hopefully better lives and better educations, a little bit more security. But like, you know, I don't know what Bezos is going to do with all that money. I hope he's going to give all of it away or like 99.9% of it because mm-hmm. he's not taking it with him and his kids don't need it either. Right. So, so at the end of the day, like there comes a point where you realize like you get up every day, not for the money. Like if you're doing it for the money, I could have just like packed up a long time ago and been like, I'm going to spend the rest of my life on a beach. Right. That's not why you do it. Very cool. Well, I'll tell yep. you what, dude. Good job. Thanks. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoy yeah, talking very... to you. I think you're going. I think the, your your message is good, and I think you guys are uh, you're uh, trying to do what you're trying to do, but the right way. I think if anyone can do it, it'll be you guys. I still think it's going to be very challenging, uh, but I do think you guys have uh, the right approach. So it it can't be easy, and it shouldn't be easy, or else everyone right. would do it. Oh yeah, yeah. It would be yeah. rewarding. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. 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 Thanks Great. for coming on, man. Yeah. Thanks so much, for having Appreciate me. it, brother. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.